We want to say again, uh, welcome uh, to South Creek. And uh, if this is your first time, or again, your first time in a long time, we especially want to say welcome. We're so glad that you are here. We're so glad that you decided to come here. You could be in so many other places. And this might have been a, a thing that uh, brought some fear or nervousness or uh, maybe uh, choice language, trying to get your children to get that certain thing on or the, you know, the hair bows. I don't have girls, so I don't understand that. Um, but we want to say thank you. Thank you for being here. And we want to say uh, that you are so welcome here. We want you to know that South Creek is a place where you do not have to have it all together and where you don't have to pretend you do either. That we are a community of people uh, trying to follow Jesus. We're trying to follow Jesus and we recognize that Jesus loves us exactly where we are and yet he also loves us far too much to leave us there. And that his desire is for us to be people of humility and grace who are journeying forward together. Because every single one of us has a story. And every one of us, our story matters to God. And every single one of us, our story, when we encounter Jesus, can be changed for the better. And so my hope and prayer this morning is that as we look into God's word, as we talk about Easter and resurrection, that maybe you may see where God is speaking to you exactly where you are, and maybe you'll also hear where he wants to call you to. I had a fun experience this weekend. Um, we went uh, to the movie theater uh, as a whole family for the first time. I, I have two sons. Gideon is six and Silas is four. And this was Silas's first movie experience. Uh, we went and saw the new Mario movie, which they are not paying for me to say this unless they want to maybe for second service if you're watching Mario. Um, awesome movie. Anyone else go see it this weekend? If you saw it, peaches, 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 you, you know. Um, anyways, Awesome movie, by the way. I loved it. It was a kid's movie where there was no extra agendas or weird things like that. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was funny. Um, but anyways, it was, it was really neat. We decided, uh, with it being the first one, um, we wanted to do it a little bit more special. And so we went down to this place called Flick's Brewhouse, which is um, down in Carmel. And it's one of those um, theaters where they have, like, the special chairs and you can order food. I ate a warm chocolate chip cookie during the movie, which is a great thing. And the person brought it to me. So I was trying to get Hunter to maybe take notes about that for next time. Um, we have a movie at home. But anyways, really cool, uh, really cool experience. And it got me thinking about um, how much I love going to the movies. And it got me thinking about different experiences that I have had over the years going to the movies. I will never forget 1999. In 1999, uh, I was uh, 10 years old, and there was a movie that was coming out that I was so, so excited for. It was a movie that had been built up for a long time. I mean, it maybe had one of the coolest movie trailers ever. There was so much just, like, hype around it. Taco Bell had lots of cool things going on with it. Uh, it, of course, was uh, the movie Star Wars Episode I, The Phantom Menace. Now... The movie itself maybe didn't turn out to be as great as, as we thought it would be. But I was so excited because my brother Matt, who's six years older than me, uh, in one of his cool moments of being an awesome older brother, uh, knew that I was excited and said, hey, do you want to go see the movie with me? And I was like, let's go, baby. And so we got into his beat-up blue Ford Taurus that seemed to die a lot, but for whatever reason, God was great that day, and we made it to the movie theater on time. And... Um, 
as we got there, I'm just excited. I'm excited. I, like, do you ever just get to a movie and you're like, this is going to be the greatest movie ever? And so I, I'm excited. Um, but the interesting thing about the movie experience is the movie is not what was memorable. The movie, in a lot of ways, was a little bit of a disappointment. What is memorable to me and will always be memorable uh, was the previews. Now, previews are funny. When we, when we went to the movie theater uh, on Friday, uh, we laughed because Silas has never sat through um, a preview before. So when the first one got over, he kind of clapped and said, that was a really short movie. And we're like, it's not the movie. Andy's like, where's Mario? I'm like, That's, this is a preview. This is a trailer. But when I went to this movie, when I went to Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace, it was the first movie I realized that I got to go to in the movie theater where it wasn't like a kid's movie. And so what was interesting is the previews were not for kids' movies, which I was not expecting, was not anticipating. My older brother probably was maybe sweating a little bit, realizing maybe this was a bad idea. Because I'll never forget the preview for a movie that I saw. I will, I will think about it probably till the day I die. On the screen came up the preview for a movie starring Bruce Willis. You know, Bruce Willis, the famous actor from one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time, Die Hard. <laughs> and a little boy named Haley Joel Osment. It's a little movie called The Sixth Sense. Anyone ever seen it before? Honestly, not a, not, not a bad movie if you're into a horror movie, but that was the thing. I'm this 10-year-old boy sitting excited for Star Wars. And honestly, maybe one of the best, well-done, creepiest, just kind of haunting movie trailers of all time. And I have to admit, it was a trailer that literally made me sleep with a nightlight, which I did not do that anymore, for like two weeks. It had me creeped out. Because if you haven't seen the movie, I won't give away, no spoilers here today, um, but there is this iconic, famous line that this little boy named Haley Joel Osmond uh, continues to say uh, throughout the trailer. And he says this, he says, I see dead people. Whew. <laughs> Freaks you out. And of course, when it's the middle of the night and you can't sleep and every house has the noise, right? You're like, what's going on? For a long time, that line haunted me. And it haunted me from the standpoint that I was worried that I was going to start seeing dead people. Because I was about that kid's age. But as I've gotten older, that, um, that phrase from that movie has taken on new meaning. New meaning that still is haunting. Today is Easter Sunday where we celebrate the victory of life over death. We celebrate the fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and three days later, the tomb was empty. He had risen again. We celebrate the fact that though we once were dead, we are now alive. But it's a day where I also am keenly aware, and I am haunted by the reality, that when I look out into my community, when I look at the lives of some of my friends, some of my family members, I see dead people. And I still see people who are walking around either having no idea that they're invited into a new and better life or they're just living in a way that does not show that they have experienced resurrection themselves. 
And that makes me sad. In Romans, Paul says this about this idea of the way that sometimes we live outside of God. We, we use this word sin, right, which um, it just really kind of means to miss the mark. It has to do with rebellion. It has to do with separation. And he says this, for the wages of sin is death. And when I see a lot of people living lives that are counter to God, separated from God, living life of sin, I see dead people. But this morning is a day of hope, right? One more movie thing. There's this great movie um, where it's actually a sequel, and it's arguably as good as the original. And uh, it stars this actor that many people um, have mistaken me for because we have a very similar physique. Um, It's Terminator 2, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And he has this famous line where, where he shows up in the midst of kind of this chaotic moment. And he says to this, uh, this person, he says, come with me if you want to live. <laughs> Which, by the way, is kind of a blatant ripoff from Jesus. But this morning, as we're going we're gonna to dive into the Gospels just for a brief moment, and we're going to look at three different resurrections The question I want us to be thinking about is, do you want to live? Do you want to live? Because if you want to live, I got some great news for you. There's this man named Jesus who's already done everything for you. You just need to follow him. We have to ask this question in our own lives, every single one of us, is do we want to live? Because it's not merely something of faith being a singular moment that we make a choice and just do nothing with it forever more. But it's this continued question of every day, do you want to live? All right, let's dive into some scripture this morning. I want to talk about three stories of resurrection that we find in the Gospels. The first one comes from the Gospel of Luke chapter 8. And so we're going to be reading there. If you have a Bible with you, you're welcome to open up to the, the, the Gospel of Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 40. Uh, if not, um, you can uh, find it up on the screen behind me. And this is what it says. It says, Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. So, There's this man who is a synagogue leader. Now, this is really interesting and significant, okay? So if you've you've ever read any scripture or kind of heard some of the stories, Jesus and these religious leaders who would run the synagogue there, the teachers of the law, things like that, they they were not tight. They were like the bloods in the crypts. They were like um, Mac versus Apple. Um, That was sort of the tension going on here. And so the fact that um, this man who probably would have been very against Jesus and and wondering whether or not he was just kind of like stirring the pot and probably didn't maybe believe he was like the real deal Messiah guy. The fact that he comes to Jesus means that he was desperate. He was desperate and he saw something in Jesus that he thought like, I got to try it. And so Jesus um, decides to go with him and follow him. Now, we're not going to get into the side quest story of where Jesus is going along the way and he heals this woman. Uh, you can read that story yourself. But after he heals this woman, um, 
I have to imagine Jairus is like sitting over there like, hey man, like, I, I don't know if you remember, my daughter's dying. Like, we, wrap it up, let's go. And we, we continue in the story and it says this, while Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and they said this, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter's dead, call it. On hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe, and she will be healed. It's interesting. I meet a lot of people who um, allow others to tell them to stop bothering. Others who speak into the lives of their, their kids, their friends, themselves, their spouses. And they say, listen, they're already dead, don't bother. And this morning, maybe one of the things you need to hear is just believe. Don't be afraid. Just believe. So the story goes on and it says this. When, when he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. The story reminds me that every single one of our stories is like this. Every single one of us at one point have been dead. Every single one of us have been laying there and it feels like they said, call it, it's over. And yet because of Jesus... Jesus gives us a response. And, and today I'm going I'm to give you three responses that Jesus gives us as we uh, deal with death and his invitation to resurrection. And the first thing that maybe he might be saying to you today is just simply this. Get up. Get up. Maybe your life is almost like you're sleeping. And you've just decided to lay down, to call it, to not bother anymore. You might feel hopeless. You might feel like that's, some, that's for someone else. And this morning, I, I hope you hear that God says to you, get up. One of the neat things, if, if you want to nerd out, is when, when Scripture says that, that he says, my child, this would have been like this term of endearment. This would have been like, sweetie, honey. This would have been something that you would have said like, to a, in a really intimate, beautiful relationship. And it, and it reminds me of how much God is our father, that you are his son, you are his daughter, and he speaks to you with great love and grace. And he says to you, get up. Your story does not need to end down here. I've gone to the cross, I've paid the, the fee, I've came out of the grave. Get up. Some of us this morning need to get up. We need to get up and leave our old dead life and walk into new life with Jesus. 
The second story. There's this family that Jesus had this um, really special relationship with these two sisters named Mary and Martha, and they had a brother named Lazarus. And uh, I'm not going to get into all the details of this particular story because it's lengthy, but, but essentially what happens is Lazarus begins to sort of take this turn for, a worse, for the worse uh, with some sort of sickness. And uh, word is sent to Jesus, hey, can you come back? We know if you come back, you can heal him. And uh, Jesus takes his time. And takes his time on purpose because he, he wants them to, to eventually see the power that he has. And so Jesus gets back to the scene where Lazarus is dead. People are angry and they're frustrated and they're scared. And they're saying things like, if only you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. If only you would have been here, he would have died. And we get this famous verse that maybe you've heard of uh, in, in scriptures, the shortest verse. Jesus wept. It's one of the most powerful things. One of the things as I get older and I read scripture, the more I realize the power of Jesus' empathy. Where in the middle of everything, Jesus chooses to get into our pain and sit with us. And before he does the things that only he can do, he sees us and he loves us and he's with us. But this is what it says in the Gospel of John chapter 11. Jesus, once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by, the time, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Now pause for a minute. This is significant, okay? Um, how many of you guys have ever seen the movie The Princess Bride? Um, if you have seen the movie, you might remember how there's like the whole concept of like, is he dead or is he like really dead? In, 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 in while we can laugh if you've ever seen that movie, uh, in ancient culture, they really did sort of like kind of give like, a, all right, we're going to give you three days just in case if you come back somehow. And so he, he's really dead. And at this point, what has happened with Lazarus is he has gotten all his burial stuff on. He's got these grave clothes, these cloths all wrapped up. He's in the tomb. Um, and yes, he probably is not smelling great. And so Martha's like, don't, like, why, Jesus? Like, come on. Which is funny, too. Um, yeah, anyways, I'm not going to go there. Anyways, says there is a bad odor. He's been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. And I said this for the benefit of the people standing there, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped in the strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him now, you might be giggling because if you've been around um, here long enough, you know this is like one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. Almost every Easter I talk about it because I think it's one of the most important things that we need to be reminded of on Easter. So this man is dead, and Jesus speaks to him in a very personal way and tells him to come out. And immediately, Jesus' response is not, see, or whoa, look at that. His response is the fact that he sees a dead man 
sees a man who is living now, looking like a dead man. And his immediate response to the people around him is to take off. To take off these things that make him look like he's dead, that keep him in a grave. And on Easter Sunday, when I think about the power of the resurrection, I think about the reality of how many people who I look out and see who might be kind of alive but are still acting like they're dead. Who maybe this morning need to hear that God is calling you to take off your grave clothes. To get rid of that relationship that is making you look dead. To take away that soundtrack in your mind that continues to take you to broken places that makes you separate yourself from God. This morning, maybe the call for you is to take off the things that continually draw you into death and chaos. That maybe if you really believe in the power of the resurrection, that maybe you need to believe in it for yourself too. And not just that he'll raise you up and forgive your sins, but he will give you a life today that is far more beautiful than you could ever have imagined. But you gotta stop walking around looking like a dead person. You got to stop allowing yourself to fall into the same traps over and over and over. This morning, maybe you need to take off. Because again, if Jesus, if Jesus has given us new life, we have to stop living like we are dead. All right, one last story of resurrection. It's this pretty big one. Um, they have a holiday about it that we're celebrating today. It's Jesus' death and his resurrection. So if you remember the story, right, Jesus is um, betrayed, he's arrested, he is um, falsely convicted, he is tortured, and he's eventually crucified. And on the cross, he died for my sin and your sin. Not because we deserve it, not because there would ever be a day that we would earn it, but because of his great love for us and his desire to be close with us. I always think about um, his followers on those days. Do you remember most all his followers scattered? They were afraid. They were disoriented. And we also figured out they weren't very good listeners. If you remember, Jesus continually had said, hey, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to die three days later. Like, listen, I, I have a bad memory, but I think I would have been putting in my, like, you know, Jerusalem of that time sort of iPhone reminder, like, Remind me three days later. Check tomb. But they didn't. Only his followers, who, who were a handful of ladies who were his followers, decided they would go to the tomb. And this is what it says in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord had came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were as white as snow, and the guards were so afraid of them that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. There's a theme throughout all of the Bible but in particular through the Gospels, of God's gentle reminder to us to not be afraid. He says, do 
not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he is laid. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see, now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy. I love that line. Afraid yet filled with joy. I'm not a tattoo guy, but I feel like that could be my thing. And they ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. And they came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me again. Some of us need to get up. Some of us need to take off. And some of us need to be reminded that on Easter Sunday, we need to go tell. The great call of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that he says to these ladies who first find him is to go tell. Don't be afraid, but go tell. And the call for some of us this morning may be the fact that God has resurrected you. He's brought you up from the dead, and you are alive. You got up. And some of you maybe get the double extra bonus points of of maybe at one point you were walking around in your grave, grave clothes looking like a zombie, but God is helping you take it off. But I think there's probably a lot of us, if we're honest, who don't go tell. And we don't go tell through our words our actions, our attitudes, our schedules, our bank accounts, our relationships. And the reason why I struggle with it so much is because, again, I see dead people. And I see so many people who don't know about the good news, and so much of it has to do with the fact that there are people who have already received it, already heard about it, already experienced their own resurrection, and kind of keep it to themselves. And this morning, maybe some of us just need to hear that we need to go tell everyone that we were once dead, but because of Jesus, we are now alive. Because it is the greatest, most important news that anyone could ever hear or interact with or experience. Jesus, in the Gospel of John chapter 11, said this about himself. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And he asks this important and pertinent question. He says, do you believe this? And this morning, my question for you is to ponder, do you believe this? Do you believe maybe this morning that God wants to help you get up? Do you believe this morning that God wants to help you take off everything that hinders you, everything that distracts you, everything that makes you look like you are still dead? Do you believe that God wants you, wants to use you, yes, you, you and your story and your back and your past and your background and everything, the fact that you are still a work in progress and he wants you to go tell? I want you to know that he does. 
In Ephesians chapter 2, I love the way that, that, that Paul kind of summarizes some of this idea of from death to life. And, and next week, if you don't have a church home, I really would encourage you to, to join us again um, next Sunday. Uh, we're going to be kicking off a new series studying the book of Ephesians, talking about this idea of being made alive in Christ. But this is what Paul says in chapter 2, starting in verse 4. He says this, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. He says, it is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show incomparable riches of his grace expressed in kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that anyone can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You once were dead, and maybe now you've been made alive. This morning, I hope and pray that you would realize that you were made to live and that Jesus died so you could live. That you would realize that the call that God has for us this morning to consider is maybe we need to get up or maybe we need to take off or maybe we need to go tell. And this morning, as we're gonna go into um, a time uh, of, of worship yet again, I want to give you guys an invitation to hear the words of God through his messengers and, and through Jesus himself when he says, don't be afraid. And, and we're going to sing a couple songs uh, to close out. But during this time, there's going to be some people who are, who are going to be up here um, towards the front. And um, there is power in prayer. There's power in community. And my hope and prayer is that as we worship, do what you feel God is calling you to do. Do what, um, what, what you feel like you need to do today. Worship how you need to worship. But we want to invite you as we um, sing these last songs that um, if you just need, need sort of a moment with God, um, if you want to come and, and pray at the altars, you can come. And if you pray at the altars, um, you can do it all by yourself. If you just kind of want to have your own moment one-on-one -on -one with God or bring someone with you. But I also want you to know um, that that there's going to be people who, who are going to come up here in, in just a moment as I'm praying, um, and they would be glad to pray with you. And they would be glad to, to, to listen to you. And you can tell them as much or as little as you want, um, but they would be honored to pray with you. They'd be honored to pray with you, maybe, maybe to receive Christ for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time. They'd be honored to pray with you if maybe you just need um, help getting up. They'd be honored to pray with you maybe if you feel like there's just this stronghold of grave clothes on you that you need to help take off. And they'd be honored to pray for you maybe if you feel a sense of a burden placed on your heart of someone that you feel like you really need to go tell. But this morning, um, I'm going to ask you guys to go ahead and stand with me. I'm going to ask that you go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm going to ask that you would um, maybe allow God to speak to you, to speak to you in ways to remind you to not be afraid, 
to speak to you, to remind you that he loves you so much, right where you are, but he deeply desires for you not to stay there. And would you know again that there'd be people who will be up here who would be glad, who would be honored to pray with you and pray for you. Father, again, we thank you for your great love. We thank you for um, how, much, um, how much you desire for us to experience new life. And Father, would you give us the courage to get up and to take off and to go tell. It's in Jesus' name I pray.